The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. And the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give me two mouths and a red flag. Swainvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Hope everyone is having a great uh, Tuesday morning. It is October 24th, about five minutes past the top of the hour. Hope, again, you are having a great morning. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. We got the text box back and rocking today. So we will get to the Betty Chevrolet text box. Ben McKee of Go Vols 247 will join us shortly. I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center Studio. Hope, again, everyone's having a, a fantastic day uh, to start. Uh, first, I want to show my love, my, um, my appreciation for Tasha Butts, uh, her friendship. Uh, over the years, um, big sis, we lost her to breast cancer uh, yesterday morning. Uh, Lady Ball, point guard, assistant coach, who finally got her opportunity to be a head coach and lead her program. And uh, she was leading the Georgetown program before um, her battle with breast cancer um, took another turn. You know, Stuart Scott used to always talk about it's it's how you live your life determines whether or not you lost a battle uh, with, with cancer. And I think Tasha uh, lived it the right way, um, inspired others, and she's passed the torch, passed the baton on to others to, to fight the, the nastiest disease, one of the nastiest diseases that uh, we have today. And, um, that's cancer. So, um, saw the Lady Vol Twitter account yesterday morning or yesterday afternoon, excuse me, around uh, one o'clock, and, um, and it was it was a punch uh, to the gut. So many people love Tasha. Um, those that played against her, college pros. She was assistant coach at LSU, assistant coach at uh, Georgia Tech before taking over as the head coach at Georgetown. Um, Tennessee came up a little bit short on on Saturday. It was a game 
that I don't think we are used to seeing. It was a game of two halves. It felt like two games inside of one game. One game inside of two halves, excuse me. Because to start the game, Tennessee had all the momentum. Offensively, was able to move the football uh, up and down the field, whether it was in the air, on the ground. He had multiple guys contributing to the ground attack from Joe Milton uh, to, to Jalen Wright. We had guys on the outside that was trending in the right direction, starting off the game in the right direction. Ramel Keaton had a couple catches for first downs, made a couple guys miss, did a good job of getting upfield and picking up yards after the catch. Had a great throw by Joe Milton to Squirrel White, who made an unbelievable catch, catching a football on the back half of the ball. I don't know how he did that. Uh, and then keeping his foot in, doing a really good job of, of pointing his toe down, ensuring that he got a foot in bounds. Defensively, shutting down Alabama, creating turnovers, owning the line of scrimmage, just looking a step faster, step closer. Alabama team looked tight. Looked a little nervous. The crowd was now part of the game. We we hear all the time about how important it is to play on the road and what you have to do on the road. And Tennessee certainly did that with taking the crowd out of the game as, as quick as possible. Tennessee left some touchdowns on, on the field. Um, second score was 10-0. And the third score was, was 13-0. And he had a couple opportunities to make it. Twenty-one nothing. When you play in SEC games, especially versus good teams, you gotta be careful with kicking field goals. You gotta be careful because it's about the team that goes down and scores touchdowns versus field goals. The first half, you couldn't draw it up any better. Joe Milton had a performance at the quarterback position. That was a winning performance. It was good enough to win. It was, in my opinion, Joe Milton's best performance in his Tennessee career. He finished runs. He he delivered the football with uh, with, with accuracy. The throw to Jacob Warren in the corner of the end zone, I'm sure he wants that one back. I look at both guys. Joe could have gave him a better ball. Jacob will get a kick out of this. I thought Jacob had more ups than that. So I'm looking at both guys going, man, we got to connect on that one. But uh, we didn't, and uh, we had to set up for a field goal. We go in at halftime, a lot of momentum, jacked up, as you should be. You should be excited about what happened. Before halftime, Joe made a really great pass versus Cover zero, all-out blitz, hitting McCollin Castles there at the front pylon. There's a great adjustment by both guys. Uh, Castles look, looks like his path was to the back corner of the end zone, but Joe did a really good job of flattening him out and throwing it to a spot and letting Castles go out and, and get it, and he did that. It was a great, it was a great play. 
versus the perfect defense that you are looking for. But man, halftime. This is where, man, you're playing against the GOAT. You can you cannot like Nick Saban, but you gotta respect him. He's he's the GOAT. They made halftime adjustments. Those guys came out. And what did you think they were gonna do? You think they were gonna roll over? You think that they were just gonna stop playing at home? No. They already took an L this year at home. They they knew that they couldn't take another one. So you have to expect that they're gonna come out and be ready to play. And they were. They did a good job on their first possession, which if you're Tennessee, you can't you can't let that happen. You, you, you can't let the Alabama team go down and, and score in two plays. You, you can't let that happen. Had a long run where we were out of position. You had a pass where... My goodness, everyone was out of position as well. Um, it was it was a quick score. It reminded me of a Tennessee's offense. Tennessee's supposed to be scoring in two plays, seventy five yards. Not Alabama. Alabama's not supposed to be doing that, but they did that, and um, it made it it made it really 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 difficult. Uh, to that point, you had a situation on the kickoff return where Ben McKee, go Vols 247 with me. Uh, ben, you had a situation there on, on the return where I was calling the four-yard line because of upman signaling for a fair catch, even though that wasn't his intention, but that was a call, and so you had to go three straight three straight runs because you didn't want to do the same thing you did in the Florida game when you were backed up, was throw a pick and then allow um, the, the defense to return it to the 10-yard line, a five-yard line, score again. So I thought Josh Heupel was, was, was smart there and being conservative with three straight runs and kicking the ball out of the end zone, but uh, it gave Alabama great field position and went down and had more success. But second half, man, it, just, it was totally different from the first half. It was weird. I haven't been to a game like that. I haven't seen a game like that where it's just totally opposite from one half to the to the other. But um, you know, Ben McKinney, you made the trip down there. Um, it was real smoky at the end of the game, that's for sure. Good morning, man. It was good morning. I apologize for my tardiness oh, this good. morning. I apologize for starting today's show. Like Tennessee started the second half on Saturday, my phone decided to shut off in the middle of the night at some point. So my alarm did not go off. Thank goodness I have a 15-month-old that that he, he's making sure that I'm getting him up by at least 7.30, 7.35. So uh, apologies for, for the tardiness. Uh, it, it was not a good game for, for Tennessee on Saturday. It was not a good second half for Tennessee uh, on Saturday. Obviously, there were some things in the first half that, that you can, can really point to, especially in hindsight, um, by not converting in the red zone. You, you had two golden opportun- opportunities to – not completely put Alabama away, obviously, because there was another entire half of football to be played. But 
you had a great opportunity to to about knock them out and, and really put them on the mat and, and see if they would be able to get back up in the second half. And uh, Swain, I, I thought it was a, a squandered opportunity for Tennessee and one that's really going to frustrate uh, the program and fans for, for many years to come uh, because you haven't had a lot of success in that building and you gave that game away. Credit to Alabama. They made plays in the second half. They made adjustments, especially defensively. Nick Saban talked about going from a from a, an odd front that they played with in the first half to an even front uh, because uh, against that odd front, Tennessee was able to push the ball down the field and make some plays in the passing game. Uh, so they had to switch it up, and they did that to try and stop Tennessee's traditional running game, which they did, but it was also giving up some plays on the back end, and, and they needed to to go to an even front, and they did that, and it, and it obviously worked. So do give credit to Alabama, but Tennessee gave that game away more than Alabama won that game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee up 20 to, se- 20 to 7, excuse me. Um, that that whole conversation about who won it, who lost it, uh, man, it, it's so hard to, to really come to a conclusion sometimes on on those debates. I, I do got to give a lot of credit to, to Alabama about how they made second-half adjustments uh, and then how they were able to make the plays. Uh, you know, we, we, we had a young player make a mistake on special teams. And that was like – that was – that was a significant play in that football game, Ben, because you had the opportunity to answer. Like, all right, they they came down to score, cool. Let's go answer and get control back of the game. Like we had going into halftime. Like that was an opportunity to go down, answer, score, keep an arm's length distance between you and Alabama. But that one mistake, I feel like that was a turning point. That was a turning point in, in the football game. Um, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I thought I, I agree with you, but I, I've been thinking to myself that the, the, the first play of the second half was, was the turning point um, by how Tennessee was just lazy on, on those first two plays of the second half, and, and that sparked Alabama uh, just just getting absolutely blown off the ball on that big run play to, to start the half uh, blown off the ball. Linebackers are still looking to the sideline. I, I don't understand how it's the first play of the half and you're looking to the side sideline for signals. I, I don't understand how that's happening on the first, very first play coming out of the locker room and just, just not, not a, a great effort on that play in my opinion. Uh, and then yes, th- there was the atrocious non-call on Tyler Barron on the touchdown pass. Uh, that that absolutely should have been called. It, it was a, a really really bad missed call, especially with how do you not see that right in front of you, and then you see the 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 man at the the front sticking his hand up in the air uh, for a fair catch. I, I thought that was interesting, um, but even though they missed that holding call, you had two defensive backs that were very lazy on the back end, in my opinion and getting to where they needed to get and just allowed the Alabama receiver to simply run right by them. And and so I thought those two plays, although there is an asterisk because they did miss the holding call, I thought those two plays set the tone for the second half, and that started the spiraling. Because after, the, after that touchdown, very next play was that kickoff. And then the three and out when you're backed up in the end zone. Uh, and, and then the, there were some decisions to go for it that should not have been made, in, in my opinion. 
Uh, there were some protection issues after Gerald Mincy gets hurt. Uh, there were some penalties. There was a dropped pass on third down that would have been, or second down that would have been good for a first down. It just spiraled out of control after those first two plays. And when when you don't come out to start the second half with the intensity you need to in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to beat that football program, you're going to lose the way that you did on Saturday because you already weren't locked in, and now things aren't going well for you in terms of the, the whistle being in your favor. And that's how you end up losing 34 to 20 after being up by 13 at halftime. Yeah, I mean, it looks like we was playing some quarters on um, Isaiah Bond's touchdown pass where he was five to six yards behind it. Our, our secondary. You know, they had a, a motion uh, from outside in, um, and then they ran a post route uh, over top. It looks like it looked like honestly, uh, our, our safety was a little confused and. I said this yesterday on Joshua Swain. I don't know if if Alabama put this on film, put that play on film. Tennessee worked on it, and we just totally bust, or it was a wrinkle that Alabama had never shown, and Tennessee obviously didn't prepare for that wrinkle uh, because they didn't see Alabama do it, and it was just one of those situations where, all right, you got me. Um, I felt like the safety – I wouldn't say – I want. I don't know. I think sometimes when you, your mind is tied up, it makes your feet tied up too, and you are a step late. You're not playing as fast as you need to play, and it looks like you know. It looks like you're lazy. I just think he got confused. I just think he was like, "Oh my gosh, what, what's going on right here?" He had the short motion, and then uh, I, I, I hope that's confused. what happened. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he was lazy. I will say, you know, I will push back on the turning point point because remember when Tennessee had the ball to four yard line and then Tennessee had to punt Alabama was was in great field position but the Tennessee defense was able to hold Alabama to a field goal and that's that's pretty significant to have to play defense when the opposing offense gets the ball first and ten at midfield and to stop that offense for from scoring a touchdown, I mean, that that's really commendable commendable. I thought our offense put the defense in some really bad spots. Special teams put the defense in a bad spot. Offense put the defense in bad spots by a fail uh fourth down conversions. And Alabama was forced to kick a field goal to make it twenty to seventeen. Uh, Riker hit a 42-yarder. Um, now, the next possession, uh, Alabama was able to, to go down uh, and score a touchdown, making it 20-24. to But, um, man, it was, it, was, it was not fun. It was, it was not pretty uh, to watch on TV, I'm sure, for, for Tennessee fans. It got a little taste uh, of victory there in the first half, and things were looking good. I'm pretty sure – the way Tennessee played and the way Alabama played there um, in the first half surprised a lot of people. I mean, I was surprised, um, but I wasn't expecting what happened in the second half either, but that just shows you how weird this game of football is. And momentum is an important thing, and one two plays can determine the direction of a football game. 865-255-03. We got the Beatty Chevrolet text box uh, up and running this morning we'll get to 
your questions, your comments. You listen to the Swain event here um, on your app. Also, if you are watching us uh, on Twitter and YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, we appreciate you uh, tuning in from the comfort of, of your home or your work or, or your phone, wherever you may be consuming the show. We really appreciate it. So we'll take our first break of the day and uh, we'll be back after this. You're listening to The Swain Event. You don't say. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Hey, Knoxville. We all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready... Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Val Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Swain Event and SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. How about this turning point, Ben? We we might come off of both of our points, what we thought was a turning point in that football game. It is 20 to 17. Alabama had just scored. A touchdown. We had the fair catch thing that put us on the four yard line. We had three runs. We we punted the ball. Alabama gets the ball in just fantastic um, field position. 
Alabama was able to um, – you know what? We had that long punt. We had that long punt that forced Alabama to start there on 30-yard line. Um, but Alabama still goes down and scores three points on the 42-yard field goal. It's 20-7. to seven. You still have the lead. There's 10 unanswered points. You still have the lead on the road at Alabama. Like, think about that, man. Alabama scored 10 unanswered points, and you still have the lead. Like, you got you got hit with a haymaker. You got hit with the left and the right. And you may be a little wobbly, but you're still on your feet. You still have the lead. First down. Joe Milton is sacked. It's second and 13. In order to convert, you got to win on first down. We lost on first down there. Minus three. It's now second and 13. Joe Milton comes back, runs the football for 16 yards. That was a great play. You're not supposed to come back from second and 13 after Alabama scores two times, the cross back in the game. That was a big response from Joe Milton getting that first down. Now it is first and 10, and on 38-yard line, incomplete pass to Caleb Webb. Had to run a better route. Probably it was a little more contact than it needed to be on Kool-Aid McKinstry, but dude's a vet. He did a good job of pushing us to the sideline, um, basically running the route for us. But we got to do a better job on the outside there to get on top. Now second and 10. No big-time play on second and 10. Try to throw it to Dylan Sampson. Didn't work out. Now it's third and nine. And we hit Ramel Keaton for eight yards um, or nine yards, and then it's fourth and one. Here's a turning point, Ben, for, for me. You still have the lead. Your defense is playing well in the first half. You, your defense had a win the previous possession. Yeah, they scored a field goal, but it's, they didn't score a touchdown. Your defense did come out in the first in the second half of the first possession and give up a touchdown. That was bad. But your defense had a win in stopping a touchdown on the second Alabama possession. Our own 47-yard line. Win shotgun. Fourth and one. Dylan Sampson rush up the middle for zero yards. To me, that was a turning point, Ben. Because as much as I think Dylan Sampson's a baller, you have a back in Jalen Wright that a lot of his yards this season was picked up after contact. You put your smallest back out there to run in the shotgun in fourth and one. It didn't pick it up. Hindsight would say probably punt the ball there, make Alabama drive the length of the football field. Your defense is better than your offense this year. Your, your defense won the game for you last week. You're winning. You're winning. To me, that was a turning point. Yeah, I I, yeah. I absolutely think that was certainly one of them for yeah. sure. And I'm I'm sick and tired of seeing Tennessee go in shotgun in these short yardage situations uh I, I i what's that i say you, you you have to 
I, I why do you have to? Because you run ninety nine percent of your other plays in shotgun. Then then practice going under center. I I, I don't I honestly don't want to hear that excuse. It's I, not I, excuse. Practice practice under center. It's so not put excuse. yourself in a situation and practice where you can do it in the game. And we've seen them go under center this season against Virginia when they had Javante Spragans and Tyree West in, in the backfield to to push somebody forward still, at the goal line. Get, I, I think we went on the shot uh, under center um, and still didn't get a first down, fourth down. But I'm listen, I'm with you, Ben. I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, I cringe every time I see a offense in shotgun on fourth down and one. But I do understand the reasoning why they do it. When you have a 245, 250-pound quarterback, and the quarterback in the last two weeks has been one of your top two runners on your football team. I'll take a tush push. I mean, I, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I think that is this offense's best play in, in these situations, given the, the, the physical nature of, of Joe Milton. And I think that they've become very predictable in, in third and one fourth and one especially fourth and one I mean Nick Saban said it after the game when, when he was asked about uh the the key to the fourth down stop in the third quarter they like to get in bunch so we had a check defense to go get into like a gap eight with two double edges and four spoke secondary to try and roll if they brought the ball to the perimeter so the guys up front just knocked them back that was a huge stop in the game had two fourth down stops in the game that were were really huge yes the guys up front they need to block better I think that goes without being said. Like at at some point, like you, players got to go make, make plays too, right? I think both things can be true. Josh Heupel put his team in a bad situation by choosing to go for it there, but the players also did not execute. And although they did not execute, I do still feel like that there hasn't been a, a ton of creativity. And I realize that it's short yardage situation. There doesn't need to be a ton of creativity, but it seems very repetitive in in those situations. And you've become very predictable. And I thought Nick Saban kind of pointed that out in his postgame press conference. Yeah, yeah, fair. I think um, Heupel yesterday said, we got to coach better, we got to play better. And that right there was him saying, I I, I got to do a better job. Because at the end of the day, he's the head coach. He's the one making $9 million. So he's responsible for his assistance. And he's a play caller. Uh, and at the, at the end of the day, the decision maker uh, on that sideline. And so um, the call, I thought the personnel could have been better. I thought the call obviously could have been better. I thought um, the decision to even go for it, um, I disagreed with, especially bo- both of them uh, there in the second half. But, hey, man, you – you are showing that you have confidence in your, in your offense. Uh, that's one way to look at it. Have we, we, <laughs> what confidence? I, I, know, they, they dude, have I know. I know. I, I get I, it because last and year. And I'm not talking to you when I say that, but it's it's been the same situation all season long in short yardage situations. Even in wins, they have not been able to pick up that first down on fourth and short. Yeah, Tennessee is last in the league at fourth down conversions. Uh, yeah. I mean, Tennessee was, I think, number one last year. Last uh this year so yes yeah, obviously an issue here's what i think um kind of went on in the decision to go for it on fourth down and in the two years hypo has been here 
2021-2022, the offense was ahead of the defense. And so you wasn't sure if your defense was going to be able to hold anybody if you don't go forward, if you try to play the field position game. But I felt like the defense has earned the right to have opportunity to play the field position game and go ahead and punt the ball. I saw where Nick Saban has opportunities um, for fourth and short in the first half, and he he punted. Uh, I'm not saying you don't go for it on fourth down because we all like the aggressive nature. Analytics point to you being more successful going forward on fourth down. But Tennessee is a top one of the top defenses in the in the country, one of the top defenses in the SEC. Uh, and Alabama's offense, not a juggernaut. So if you were playing against a really powerful and potent offense, then, yeah, you go for it more on fourth down, just like LSU went for it on fourth down against us last year. I believe Napier, Florida went for it uh, against our offense last year more because they knew they had to score points to keep up with our offense. So they couldn't afford to punt the ball. Well, we're playing against the Alabama offense. I don't see Tua back there. I don't see Bryce Young back there. I see a Jalen Milrow who had one 300-yard passing game um, that has been up and down with his accuracy and passing from the pocket in an offense that wasn't hitting big-time runs throughout the season. Man, force those dudes to go the length of the football field. I mean, that, yes. was my initial, that was my initial thought. But, again, you go for it, you make it. I, along with everybody else, is telling the world how great of a call it is. Um, and, and Tennessee maybe is able to go down and control the game more and, and score points and extend the lead. But um, at the end of the day, you, you got to make the play. Now, on, on one of those other fourth downs, it looks like it was a attempted shovel pass because you know, Jacob Warren um, was – it was one Joe Milton took it, and it looks like he was – Jacob Warren was waiting on him to pitch it, but it wasn't there. Like it was not there at all, and I remember because they've run that shovel pass a million times this season. Yes. By, by shovel pass standards, a uh, play that is not run a ton in in football, they have run it a ton this season. I, I'm I'm sure that it's something that Alabama highlighted this season. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, Swain, not not only does Alabama not have a juggernaut of an offense, like your personnel and offense is different this year. Tennessee's personnel is different offensively, like. You're not as equipped to go win in those situations as you were a year ago. You're you're just not. The the personnel is different. It's not the the same offense by any stretch of the imagination. The, those things have to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Uh, analytics point to you being more successful, but there are also factors that play into it that don't pop up on a spreadsheet, on an Excel sheet, on a piece of paper that that you have to consider. In, in those situations, and, and it feels like at times this season, it it's been reckless more than it's been aggressive. I love being aggressive. I do not love being reckless, and that that's what it feels like it's been a couple of times this season. Yeah, I, I like the fact that our defense has uh, has played at a at a high level uh, in the last couple of weeks. I feel like they deserve more of an opportunity to be put in better positions um, with the field position being played. But yeah, you're you're, you're right. I mean, the, the defense I, I thought was was I, I I thought you should be pissed off at the defense if you're a Tennessee fan with, with how they performed in the second half uh, because I I thought it was clear as day that they took their foot off the gas, took their foot off the neck, whatever term you want to use. I thought it was clear as day that they did not come out with the same edge 
in the second half that they played with in the first half. And, and I think that is so disappointing that, that they did that. Uh, and yes, Wayne, you you are absolutely correct that the, the offense put them in, in several bad situations with, with the weird fair catch and then going three and out, uh, then going forward on fourth down and not making it. The, the offense absolutely put them in bad situations, but they were also getting blown off the ball practically on every play in the second half, more so than they were in the first half. In the first half, they were the bullies. And in the second half, they were getting bullied. And that that's not an Alabama offensive line that has bullied many people this year. I mean, they they they, they were first in sacks allowed in the SEC by a long shot. Had allowed over 30 going into the game. And you were able to get after Jalen Milrow in that first half. And for the most part, that went away in the second half. And I, I don't think it's because... Alabama just started leaning on Tennessee and was just started playing this great football all of a sudden. I think it's because Tennessee lacked the edge that it needed to to continue playing at the level that that, that it needed to to win that game. Yep. And I, I think that is very, very disappointing. When you go from bullying Alabama in the first half to getting bullied, that, that was that was really tough to watch. Yeah, it was it was it was weird, man. It was weird to witness no doubt about it 865-255-03 Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue top 100 barbecue restaurant uh, in America that's Ben McKee go Vols 247 I'm Jason Swain live here in the Low T Center Studio got some really good points here in the text box um, we'll dive a little bit more into this Bama game and then move forward if we can I know it's the first time we have been together after the Alabama game, so people still may want to to get some things off the chest, ask questions, make some comments, and uh, certainly want to give you the opportunity to do that. So here's your opportunity coming up after the break. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. You're listening to the Swain event, and you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's Healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swainament crew. 
Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event Fueled by Dan Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America, Ben McKee, Go Falls 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Center studio. All right, I'm going to the text box, Ben, the Betty Chevrolet uh, text box, BettyChevrolet.com. Trucks, SUVs, pre-owns, low as $19,995. Betty Chevrolet right there on, on Parkside Drive. Uh, Chip Payne, how much of an impact on defense was Kamal Hatton's injury in the second half? Will he be okay for Kentucky? Yeah, I think it's important for me to uh, talk about Kamal Hatton. Um, you, Kamal Hatton got a lot of respect for his play from from former players. Um, I took a phone call yesterday. And I looked at the phone, and I was like, I ain't, I ain't talked this. I ain't talked this dude in a while. But he called. We had a thirty minute conversation. The purpose of him calling was not to say, "Hey, man, saw you on TV. You want to check in? See how you doing? Hope the family is good." That wasn't the purpose, even though that was said. The purpose of his phone call was to check on Kamal Hatton. The purpose, of the phone call. And this is a former teammate of mine. Was to check on Kamal Hat. Hey man, hey Kamal, okay? I, I, I saw I saw that hit. I saw him trying to make that hit, and uh, so I said, you know, I don't know. I don't have any updated reports. I will tell you from my vantage point what I saw. Kamal came to the sideline. He had a medical staff member talk to him for a slight minute. And Kamal kind of shoot him away. I was like, I'm I'm going back in. Kamal had made himself available by getting up to the sideline where coaches were, was waiting to get that that nod to go back into the game. Um, didn't happen. So uh, on the next possession, uh, Kamal went to the tent. Kamal was in the tent. Shorter pass was off. I was waiting there along with uh, Jenny Dale, who was a sideline reporter for CBS. Um, just waiting, waiting, see if we can get an update to report. We go into halftime. Um, I go in. I wait till all the players leave so I can use the bathroom. Kamal's the last guy coming out, and uh, he has a shoulder brace on. Um, compression sleeve or your shoulder he's he's available um that was the report that i gave that he was available and ready to go kamal goes back out there and is unable to finish kamal hadn't shown me a lot on saturday dude gave his all for tennessee and i know 
he hasn't had all the, the, the perfect plays and perfect displays of, of um, effort when you look at the, the Florida game or some of the trash talking that was going on in the South Carolina game last year. But I'm going to tell you right now, I gained a lot of respect for Kamal Hatton, and I had a lot uh, going into the game because I, I know his story and how he got here and how a lot of guys don't make it that um, travel the same path Kamal had to travel on. And then the fact that I had a former teammate that I haven't talked to in a long time to call me to ask about Kamal Hatton, that should tell you that there's a lot of dudes who played at the University of Tennessee that that respect that dude's game. But I don't. I do not have an update on uh, his shoulder um, right now. I, I I do think it is something Tennessee is concerned about for sure. They should be. And uh, I, I think his status is is up in the air for 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 Saturday. I, I don't know that it's a, a long term thing, but something that Tennessee is going to have to. Certainly, at minimum, manage week to week. I think, and we'll we'll see if he can play on on Saturday. And I know Tennessee is concerned about it. Yeah, yep, they should be. Man, Kamal's been playing well. He's been Tennessee's best corner. All right, let's get to the phones. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Good morning. Who do we have with us today? Good morning, Jay Swizzle. Good morning, Benjamin. Big Orange back. Our guy, man. It's good to hear your hear your voice, man. Uh. Guys, uh, you can't go into a place like Tuscaloosa and do what you did in the first half and not do what you did in the second half on top of, I'm going to say it, on top of allowing the Zebras to put you in that situation. Now, I'm not saying I'm not laying it all on the Zebras because we, we are at fault just as much as anything. Some of the decision I love, I, I love Coach Hype, I love Big Hasbula, but some of the decision making in that game, I'm kind of scratching my head. Like, Coach, what you doing, man? That's fair. You know, hey, I, I think our defense played well enough. The defense is what kept us in the game this whole season. The defense is what kept us in the game, and you punt those ball in our punting game, oh, man. He he's been solid. Now, at first, I wasn't too high. I wasn't too. I, I admit, I wasn't that. I, I wasn't too hot on him. Are you shaking but, him? He was shaking him at first, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not now. And, and uh, that that one punt he had, you know, when we were backed up down deep in the end zone, he that Joker roll. It, I mean, uh, put put Bama deep in their own territory, and I think that's what he should. Hey, hey, you ain't punt the lit punt it and live another day on live another day. You know, uh, we don't have we not this team is not built like we was last year mm-hmm. to, to score a bunch of high points and it, that that we we built different this year. Now maybe in the future uh, we 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 can go back to doing what we did last year, but this year is different. Uh, we just don't need to put ourselves in that situation. Then you know the the, the crap that went on with you know with the zebras and whatnot. I'm gonna tell y'all something. I'm, I said it before the game was even played during that week. Birmingham was not going to let us go down there and beat them twice in a row. They was not going to let us do it, and we shot our own selves in the foot and allowed them to do it. I love y'all. I'm, I'm trying to keep my head up, trying to keep my spirits up. I'm still down, 
Well, let's go get them cats this week. Love y'all. Have a great day. I love you more, Big Arch Mag. I, I want you to know that, and I appreciate you calling in. I know Swain does as well, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Alabama got the whistle that it got on Saturday, Swain. And you know me. I, I am not a penalty vulture. I, I cannot stand those of you who complain about flags on every single play it is very annoying very annoying i am not that way i'm not a conspiracy theorist but i do think on saturday i I don't think it was a coincidence that alabama a year after they complained to the sec more than any other game in the nick saban era that they complained after last year's tennessee game to the sec office more than after any game under nick saban which is what now, like 17, 18 years at, at this point, 20 years, he's, a long time. Nick Saban's been in Tuscaloosa for a long time at this point. And last year's Tennessee game, when they were flagged for, what, 15 penalties last year, they complained more after last year's game than ever before. Why? I don't know. Because the, the penalties look pretty clear as day to me in, inside of Neyland Stadium last year. Alabama fans thinking that you can wrap up a, a receiver while they're in the middle of the route and that not be pass interference. And most of the penalties were false starts anyways. So I, I'm, I'm not sure why they were mad, but they were mad and complained like H-E double hockey sticks to, to the SEC offices after the game last year, more than any other Nick Saban game ever, as I've said a million times now. I don't think it's a coincidence that, that a team that c- commits as many penalties as anybody in the SEC was committing seven or eight a game entering the game got called for one, I believe, right? It was one penalty. One at Alabama for five yards, four. snap infraction. And, and I think that's only ever happened once or twice uh, under Nick Saban, in which they were whistled for one penalty. Yeah, last year's Tennessee, game, Alabama was Tennessee penalized. shot itself in the foot, but I don't think that was a coincidence. Last year's game, Tennessee was, was, was penalized six times for 39 yards, and Alabama was penalized 17 times for 130. I mean that's 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 a lot of, that's a lot of yards that's a lot of and, and some of the and, and like the reason I'm bringing it up because I, I I really do hate bringing up the refs but the the calls were seriously egregious and, and yes Tennessee did its own things to shoot itself in the foot and choke in the second half and, and spiral out of control but the refs did not help Tennessee whatsoever I, I guess by the letter of the law they got the kickoff fair catch thing correct but how is how is the head referee calling that, seeing that on a kickoff when the previous play on the touchdown from Jalen Milrow, he didn't see Tyler Barron being choke slammed to the ground or or held around the neck? I, I don't understand how that happens. You, you call the weak defensive holding on, on Gabe Judy Lally there after McCollin Castles was tackled in the first half. Both sides, Alabama's receivers and Tennessee's DBs were hand-fighting all game. Tennessee's DBs and Alabama's receivers were hand-fighting all game. And you finally decide to call one when Tennessee gets off on a third and ten. After you didn't whistle anything in the red zone in the first half when McCollin Castles was completely wrapped up. Mm -hmm. The rest were very bad on on, on Saturday. In the second half where he couldn't even run his route, he was being grabbed. Uh, nothing was called there, uh, and then to call that holding on 
on on Gabe Judy uh, Lally was 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 laughable. Um, so Hypo had every reason to be upset uh, after the game when he was asked about the officiating and Paul's twenty seconds. I mean, I was surprised he didn't get a penalty. I remember when he got a penalty at Clemson game, um, and uh, he had even more of a reason on Saturday to be upset. But uh, I'm proud of us. Forty eight minutes into the show, officiate wasn't brought up. It was certainly poor. It was bad. It was the worst that we've seen this year in Tennessee game, but it wasn't the reason. Uh, it wasn't the reason why we let the guy wide open on the first possession of the football game, excuse me, of the second half. Uh, one of those spots was terrible, though, for Joe Milton. Um, but Tennessee still should have put themselves in better position to win that game uh, in the second half. All right, I'm going back to the phones, 865-255-03. Good morning. Who's with us? Justin in Florida. How What's you guys up? doing today? What's up, Justin? I'm doing doing well. Um, considering uh, it was kind of a disappointing, uh, kind of a disappointing weekend, but you know, it's uh, you, you gotta you gotta move on from it. I mean, obviously, we're gonna probably take take uh, a couple days to let the emotions come down, but you gotta refocus. And I mean, Kentucky to me is an absolute gotta have must win cannot go up to lexington and find a way to lose that game that the, this team and part of the reason i'm calling is what what i want to see out of these guys is the leaders on this team whoever they are kind of take that next step and because that was something that i don't think's really been mentioned and seems to be a little bit concerning because at halftime, for us to come out flat like that, like my first reaction wasn't, well, what are the coaches doing? It's, what are the leaders doing? I remember being at games last year, and this isn't like just on Joe, because I think it applies to all position groups. I remember seeing on the sidelines, because our tickets are um, up behind the bench, we'd be up at halftime in a game, you know, 20 points, 30 points. And I remember seeing guys like you know jerome carvin hooker you know they were always telling guys four quarters four quarters four quarters and they just beat that into their head didn't matter what the score was got to play hard for four quarters and kind of feel like this year we're good for what probably about two quarters two and a half quarters of football but there's always at least a quarter and a half maybe even two quarters of football where we just like turn things off do you, do you guys feel that way and then i got another point after well i feel like there's, there's three games where we've had uh, lulls. I think uh, Florida game, you had a quarter. I think uh, Austin P you had a quarter. And then Alabama, you had um, probably more of a half. So you can't you can't afford that. You know, we got we to gotta get better than that for sure. Well, I think, and to that point, though, I think in Virginia, we, we had a lull against UTSA. We had a lull problem is for the other team that they just weren't strong enough to do anything with it. Yeah. But you go back and look at who we're playing. I mean, we should have run those teams out of the building and didn't we, you know, those were, those were games much later, you know, than they probably should have. But then you'll, you'll actually appreciate this baseball reference. My, my whole thing about the officiating is be consistent if you're an umpire and you're going to give a, a strike 
you know, an inch, inch and a half off the plate, do it both ways. The, The inconsistency is what frustrated me the most. They call a pass interference for one hand on Judy Lawley, but then Kool-Aid has both hands. In fact, there's a great picture on Twitter, both hands on his shoulder pads, grabbing Webb in the corner of the end zone. No call. How do you see one? And especially on, on Lawley, was that ball catchable? Nope. I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, the, the wide receiver gave up on the road. It wasn't even close to throw that flag and yet not the other, the inconsistency. And I don't think it's a can, you know, the sec wants Tennessee to lose, but I'm convinced that the sec's main goal is to guarantee that two teams from the sec wind up in the college football playoff. Now what stinks for us as a fan base is, they're always going to make sure George George is in, but the way George is playing, Georgia makes makes sure they're in. But in the West, they couldn't afford Bama with a second loss because even if Bama wins out in the West, you go play in the SEC championship game and lose, that's three losses, you're out. And I'd argue this year probably a two-loss SEC team's not going to get in. But that's what it feels like to me, and it feels like college football's or at least in the SEC, is becoming like the WWE. Yeah, we're going to let them go out and perform, but really from a script perspective, you know, we'd really like to see it go this way because it's going to help the brand. It's going to help ratings. It's going to help all these things. I'm going to hang up and listen on that last point because I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Man, I, I want to push back on that, on that conspiracy theory so much. Uh, but when you look at only one penalty being called five yards and – Zero holdings, um, like there's so many things that go go on in the course of a football game to only be called for a, a penalty that was obvious, like it was obvious as day that he had a snap infraction. Uh, I, I will say the referees didn't miss a call on us because Elijah Heron, um, <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was that sh- that should have been a, a penalty. Now I yeah. I don't think Elijah was trying to to punch the Alabama player in, in the face like social media and Alabama fans w- were making it out to be. I, I thought he was trying to punch the ball out. You, you see that all the time in football, where where, you, where a guy comes on and yeah. comes in and and full out a full out punch to try and force the ball out. I thought that's what he was trying to do, not not punch the Alabama player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you what you tried to do and what you what you did to, are, are totally different things. And this, and he and should this, he should have yeah. been flagged. Yeah, but he should have been flagged. And the the fact that the and this is explains how uh, incompetent the officiating crew was on Saturday. The official saw it and ran up, expecting re- uh, retaliation. If you saw it and you gonna run up, why didn't you throw a penalty flag? But I'm glad he didn't, because it would have been against us. But that that just proves how terrible the officiating crew really was. Um, at the end of the day, I still feel like Tennessee beat themselves. Um, yes, and I'll highlight the bad officiating, but I it ain't the reason why Tennessee lost. And Tennessee. You know, should have played a whole lot better. We should have coached a whole lot better. These are things that Hypel said himself, which is I'm, I'm and I'm glad, dude. I'm so glad, and it's real subtle. I don't know if people realize that he's not saying that's on me. That's my fault. 
you know, I take full responsibility. But he says, we got to coach better. We got to play better. That's him saying, I got to be better too. And I appreciate that from him because, dude, this would have been so hard to have to point out where coaching needs to be better when you have a coach that won't admit it himself. That 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 makes it difficult um, on dudes like me. It really does. You look around the league and, and around the country, you can see coaches throwing their players under the bus. You can see coaches um, not able to handle some of the criticism that is warranted. And I'm speaking specifically about the two coaches in the state of South Carolina who are unable to handle that. But I, I'm glad our coach is at least saying, hey, man, we got to coach better. We got we to gotta play better because it's the truth. You don't you don't lose the way you lost twenty seven unanswered points and it's just one side's fault. No, it's everybody. Everybody everybody could have played better. Yep, they they absolutely could. the The offense let the defense down in, in the second half by by putting them in bad situations. Josh Heupel put the defense in, in bad situations, but the defense also did not play with the same edge that it played with in the first half. And that's now two games this season and they are the two losses on the road in which a very very good Tennessee defensive front has taken a half off from playing football they 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 did not play with an edge in the first half at Florida and it bit them in the butt they they did not play with a with a edge in, in the second half against Alabama and it contributed to to the comeback for the Crimson Tide like that that is the unit that is the best on this year's team. It has to set the tone for the entire team, and and they kind of set the tone there in the, the second half with how they started the second half, and it just spiraled out of control from, from there. It, it was very disappointing to see. Uh, and, you know, everybody was upset with Elijah Herring's comments after the game uh, about um, how why? they they thought they, they had won. Why, and, why are you upset? Why you why you upset? That's 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 where I'm that's where I'm going. Yeah, like, that's I, how he played. Exactly. I I think any how it was obvious to everybody watching that Tennessee got comfortable that yeah. they thought going into the locker room they had won the game. It was obvious by how they played in the first half with the, with the hair on fire and not playing with the hair on fire in the second half. And from a PR standpoint, should should Elijah Herring have have said that? Probably not. But why why are we getting upset with somebody for admitting what everybody could see? And Elijah Simmons yesterday to the media, he, he didn't use the, the words that Herring used on Saturday that they, they got too comfortable and they thought that they had won the game. But he, he said that they did not play with an edge in the second half the same way that they played with an edge in the first half. How is that any different than what Elijah Herring said on Saturday? It, it's It's saying the same thing, just in a different manner. So, uh, I, I was a little confused for, well, not confused because it was social media, but to, to get upset with Elijah Herring for for being truthful and honest and giving good insight into what went wrong when everybody in the world could see what went wrong, I, I thought was a little ridiculous. Yeah, 27 um, to, to zero um, in the second half, that's what we all thought. So, and you have to understand, Elijah Herring doesn't speak for the team. He is speaking from his point of view as a defensive player. He's not speaking for every player on offense and every player on special teams or even every player on defense. That's just his perspective. He was one of the guys that was called on to talk to the media. 
Well, even Squirrel White said, I'm paraphrasing, we didn't keep our foot on their neck. Yeah, but that's even different. Than White saying, said that. But that's different than saying flat out, oh, we, we, we thought we won the game. Like, Yeah, but to me, it all means the same. Yeah, I mean, hey, it, it can all mean the same. But it's when you have a player come out and say, hey, we, we saw we won the game in the first half, it sounds a whole lot worse than, hey, we didn't keep our no, You're we right. didn't keep our it, foot it, on the neck. It, it, it does, worse. which is probably why he should not yeah, said said it in the first place. But I, I did not have a problem with it. I did want to ask you this, uh, Swain, real quick before we get to, to the text box. Um, what do you think needs to change for Tennessee on the road? Because it, it has been a disaster since uh, Tennessee was ranked number one in the playoff poll last year. Uh, this is from Connor O'Gara of Saturday down south. Uh, he he put out the, the road stats for Tennessee since they were ranked number one going into that Georgia game last year. They're one in four, and the only one is that win over Vanderbilt last season. All four losses, which is Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, all four of those losses have been by double digits. They've allowed 30.6 points per game. They've allowed 5.5 yards per play, and they've committed eight penalties for 57 yards a game. The the road stats have, have really become ugly, and, and I, I think you can even go back to, to year one, and it, it's not as much of it, – it's not the same. I, I do want to say that when you go back and you look at the road loss to Alabama and Florida in, in year one – but they, that team in year one also made critical mistakes in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Calloway dropping a pass and, and it kind of spiraling after that as you go into the fourth quarter. Uh, Alabama, you were down by, what, a touchdown going into the fourth quarter in 2021, and you had a miscommunication that, that led to an interception that, that kind of put the game away. Uh, and and you, you have that, that night win on the road in Lexington in 21 – uh, that that was a nice road win uh, because it, it does get. I, I think the atmosphere at Kroger Field is is better than maybe people realize. Uh, it, it's it's not Neyland or anything like that. Not trying to say that, but for a college football game, it it has become a nice night atmosphere, and it'll be a challenge for Tennessee this weekend. Uh, so you did have that win. You, you beat LSU on the road last year, but I would even say that that wasn't the same environment that that you typically play in on the road at at LSU with it being. 11 a.m. local kick and fans kind of late arriving and not really in the game. But you still win, handled business, not not trying to take anything away from them. But aside from those two, Swain, I don't think I'm forgetting a, another impressive road win. Like it over the Josh Hypo era, the, the road trips have not been all that kind. And I realize winning on the road is hard, but something's got to change. And I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on what this – team and, and really program because it seems to be more of a program issue than specific to this team. What, what do you think needs to change going forward? Yeah, first first year was a wild card because I mean, you inherited a bunch of guys that uh, the year before was one of the worst offenses in the country and you turn some things around. Uh, and that happens sometimes when like uh, uh, one or two plays happen and like it changes the course of the football game. Um and you know, a team is unable to respond the way that you think they should. But I look at the last two years, and and this really comes down to two things, in my opinion. It comes down to leadership and, and mental toughness. At the end of the day, it's about um, getting together on the sideline. And I'll give you an example here: Alabama. 
scores 10 unanswered points, at that moment, I'm pulling everybody on the sideline and we haven't talked. Like, who, who's who's the leader of the offense? Who's the leader of the defense? Like, we need to have uh, a unit talk. We need to have a uh, offensive talk or defensive talk. I mean, but it, winning on the road requires leadership. It requires um, mental toughness. It requires just great individual performance by just tough, tough dudes who are mentally tough. And um, Jimbo Fisher said it when he was asked about some of his road woes and what it was going to take for him to have success on the road. And I've been a part of road wins. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I I got a chance to win at Alabama, at Florida, at South Carolina, at LSU, at Kentucky, at Vanderbilt. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to win um, at some other venues, at Ole Miss. Uh, And what it took was some tough dudes, man, mentally. Some leadership. I mean, that's that's what it takes, and we gotta be better. Uh, simply in that area, there's no excuses. We gotta be better. It's that simple. All right, I'm going back to the phones. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Good morning. Hey, what up, Swain? What up, Ben? This is uh, Coy and Macon. Coy, what's up, man? Y'all doing all right today? Yeah, man. Yes, sir. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, be pulling hard for the D-backs tonight, man. If the Phillies go down, be great as a Braves fan. <laughs> I know the Braves fans want to see the the Phillies go down, but but I'll be honest, I I know it's uh not a popular opinion around these parts, but I, I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan, so I I'm kind of indifferent. I, I'm good with either or winning. I just didn't want the Astros to win at all. Yeah, that, yeah, I heard that. Bryce Harper is one of those guys, man. If he's on if he's on your team, he's gonna love him. If he's not, you're more likely gonna hate him. That's all right. I, I didn't call in to talk baseball with you, um, but I uh, did want to bring that up real quick. But, uh, Swain, man, this uh, this week sucked, but, you know, I'm not in full panic mode. Like, I mean, I, you see a lot of reaction on Twitter. A lot of the other post-game shows that come on, you know, I think Vols fans kind of lose their minds and just – it's the worst situation. This um, it got me thinking about a call you had a couple. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I think the guy's name is Caleb, and he called in discussing when is Tennessee going to become, you know, take that step from good to great. <clears throat> and I think that this game kind of rang, you know, that that made that call make so much more sense, and just that's kind of where we are. I mean. We come out and we play so good, but you got to be great and take take that step to great and finish those games. Um, and I think that, you know, man, I love Josh Heupel. I'm, I'm rooting so hard for that guy. And one thing that I think that we need to remember or that I try to remember, rather, he's still young. He's still learning. And I think that he does learn from his mistakes. Um, I thought it was good that he – I like that he took the field goals in the first half. Um, I think he needed to get points. I think the game was trending, um, and it, most people thought that it was going to be a low-scoring game, so he, he took the points. And there were several times that he could have done that in the A&M game the week before and taken the point, and that game's out of reach at the end, and we're not on the edge of our seat. So I think that Heifel does show that he learns. And, um, I, I mean, I just I feel like we're going to be okay with Heifel. He's, he's still got to get his 
guys in there completely. You know, I, I've mentioned to you on Twitter a couple of times. Um, yeah, I write to you under Mactown Vol. I don't even, I didn't know if you knew that. Okay. Now I do. Me or not, but um, uh, he, uh, we just kind of are in the situation we're in this year with Joe Milton. I mean, we we got really I don't I don't know if lucky's the word, but having Hooker and Hyatt and Tillman and Darnell and all those guys last year that put us way ahead of where we should have been. And we lost. I mean, that's a lot of talent to lose. And then you're you know you take you start this year and you got Joe. And not that Joe's a terrible player or anything like that, but he's not Hendon Hooker, and he never was going to be. Correct. And, you know, so we get through this year, and Heifel, I mean, the defense improved so much this year. So much. And I just think that the offense is going to continue to do that. I think we're going to be good moving forward. We just got to be patient, give him time, and let him get his guys in there. And I think that, you know, Tennessee is going to be great real soon. Yeah, Coy, cool. I haven't I haven't seen a lot of um, of the talk um, from I guess the fans in response to what happened on Saturday about about Josh Heupel. I mean, hopefully there's nothing more than hey man, Heupel could have had a better game, calling it. Um, and I mean, this makes two games in a row. You won one. Um, this is the first year without Alex Golish, and so I, I did expect for it to be, you know, a little bit different. And then you lose a first-round player and right, a very important piece in Jerome Carvin that's underrated. Um, Hendon, two pro receivers. Um, man, that's why I said coming into the season that nine and three was the target record for us in Tennessee is on schedule doing it. I thought we would lose against A&M, um, Bama, and Georgia. Well, you beat A&M, but you lost to Florida. But I feel like we would be 5-2 and two at this point of the season. Now, Kentucky gives you a cause to pause because of our road woes. Um, Mizzou is not the same football team as the last couple of years, and it's also on the road, even though Mizzou uh, will not have a hostile environment anywhere close to what we've been used to playing. Um, but I I haven't – maybe it's just me. I, I'm not looking in the right places, or maybe I'm doing a good job of not looking in those places, but I haven't seen anyone question you know, hyper for, for the long term. He has to continue to evolve. Like every coach has to, to evolve year by year um, as the conditions change uh, surrounding football, uh, college football. Hyper has to continue to evolve. He's going to have players – leave his program. He's going to have coaches leave his program. He's going to have to force coaches to leave his program. He's going to have to evolve. And if he does, he'll be just fine. If he doesn't, then he'll get himself in trouble. Um, but, like, there's no question to me about Hype getting it done here. He does have his work cut out for him on the recruiting trail and uh, getting into the portal. But what Hypo has inherited and where he is right now in year three, I mean, I, I'm – Disappointed with the results Saturday, but I'm happy as all get out about where we are uh, as a program and where, where we're going. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I <clears throat> I think some of the, you know, that, being down here in Georgia, um, it, a lot of it is you just got to, you want to hear people talk about Tennessee football. So you're kind of limited. And, you, know, you can't call a friend and, and, you know, talk football. They all, oh, 
feel bad for you that happened, you know, but you want to really hear people discuss what happened in the game. But, you know, you get on certain shows and listen to post-game shows, and I think some of those shows are geared more like the Paul Feinbaum show that's just for fans calling in and reacting. And so that, that's where I get a lot of my stuff from. So it may not always be accurate, but um, that's one thing I love about y'all's show, man. Y'all, y'all always bring truth and, you know, reasonable response. You get a player's um, opinion, a, a former player's opinion. And, you know, Ben always has, you know, very knowledgeable too. So uh, I look forward to y'all's show every week, man. What up? Uh, you know, one thing that bothered me with Hyde during that game was uh, this is what it reminded me of that fourth down, the last fourth down, the one where we went for it and that showed Hyde on the sideline. And it looked like he was struggling to get a call in. It, it reminded me of like playing Madden back in the day when, you, when your opponent's sitting there, like, oh, am I going to go for it? Am I going to go for it? The last minute just pushes the A button, yeah. hits that dive button. Yeah. And it was like he waited so long to get it in, knew he couldn't, couldn't burn a timeout. Panicked, called a play, and it was just, I mean, everybody in the building knew that was coming. And it's not that, I mean, I would have punted and played to the strength of my team, let my defense on the field. If I if I remember correctly, it was it was a tie ball game at that time, or maybe we were down one. I can't remember exactly that exact score, but it was still a ball game. I think that was before the scooping score, but I just, man, I, I just hope we're going to be, I just hope we're going to be all right. The rest of the season, who gives you more? Um, I know you said Kentucky gives you calls for calls. Like, which team do you think is a tougher matchup for Tennessee moving forward, the Kentucky game or the Missouri game? Oh yeah, that's, that's a good question, Coy. Um, well, I, I would say as as we go to break, I would say the Kentucky game because you're coming off a game uh, playing Alabama, and usually teams that play Alabama the next week they struggle. So that's why. I mean, I would pick Kentucky. Uh, Missouri obviously beat Kentucky. They're better than Kentucky. But we got a couple weeks before we play Missouri. We're playing Kentucky right after Alabama. So I think that's going to be a, a difficult challenge. Uh, not because Kentucky is better than Tennessee. I think Tennessee is favored for a reason. Um, but that's that's going to be tough. Uh, you are busing up there. That's a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride. Um, and then you're playing a night game where – we know Tennessee likes to play early because they practice early. So there's some, there's some, there's some obstacles there, but none that Tennessee should let get in the way of them winning the football game. All right, Ben, we'll hit the text box uh, coming up. We owe the good people ten minutes uh, over, so we got you. We got you. We can give you an hour and a half today, um, so we have time to get the text box. We have time to take uh, a phone call or two, and we'll do that when we come back. Swain Event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future 
future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865 865- 312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. Guys, um, I, I, I need I need y'all to, uh, to know something here. I think it's pretty important. The referee Ken Williamson, his crew, they were bad on Saturday. This ain't the first time they have been bad. Ken Williamson, the official, is not the Ken Williamson that's the uh, real estate agent in Tuscaloosa. That has already been a, a conspiracy theory by other fan bases. 
They're not the same person. They may look almost alike, but that's they're not the same person. That's not him. He was bad. As simple as that. Bama did adjust in the second half. You got to give credit to, 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 to Bama. Officiating was terrible. Uh, reading Audra here on, on our text box because she gave us a lot of good information. Uh, there were penalties that could have been called on Alabama secondary that, that was not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Audra. I'm with you. But Ken Williamson is not a realtor in Tuscaloosa. Not, that's not the same guy. They're different guys. They're different guys. Um, Nelson from Jackson, you may not be able to answer this, but what's up with Thornton? Uh, in games he's played, he has not played well at all. He hasn't been healthy, and which means he hasn't practiced. And, and when you don't practice, you, you don't get better. And when you don't practice, you're not you're not set up for success in the game. I think that's the the nuts and bolts of it. I'm I'm sure there's other things that that you will include, but I simply put, he hasn't practiced because he, he that hamstring keeps flaring up on him. Um, there's still no excuse for dropping the ball. One thousand percent. That that drop he had in the first half in in the red zone was atrocious. Uh, all all of Thornton's drops have been atrocious. And, yes. Um, Here's here's the things from from my point of view. So, like, obviously, I am doing more than ever in terms of radio and TV, and which I'm very thankful uh, for. I'm blessed um, for for the opportunities. In the last year or so, I've been closer to this football team than I've ever been doing doing radio. And there's responsibility that comes with that. Um, there is a stance that, that I am not going to move from at all, and that is to be um, myself and to, to uh, be fair, be honest to a certain extent as long as I can. I can't keep real about everything. Um, but I do owe it to the, the profession. Um, you know, I remember sitting there at um, John Ward's memorial service in South Thompson Bowling Arena and hearing guys like Charles Davis talk about um, John Ward and how professional he was and how he came prepared all the time and that's a standard that I that I try to live by when doing any work with Ball Network. There's a standard. It's a very high standard. There's a lot of great um, people that are still there, that there are other places that are doing great things, and I want to make sure I up, uphold that, that standard. So um, – but – have a responsibility to, to, to our listeners uh, and our viewers to to be fair uh, on both sides. And my approach has been I will never say anything on here that I would not say to a coach or a player 
if we had a face-to-face conversation. And what that means is it's my responsibility to deliver it in a way that doesn't have to be disrespectful. It doesn't have to be over the top with the hot take. And Coy mentioned some you know post-game shows, which I'm not up on all the post-game shows. There's so many things going on. Um, and the last place I'm on is on social media looking at anything. And so people are at their most vulnerable uh, place um, right after a game because you're emotional. Uh, I understand that. I've been there as a player and been there as, as a fan. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of things that are said in the moment on Saturdays after a game that won't be said on Sundays or Mondays because you've cooled down. Well, I try not to say anything until I've reached that moment, that place of where, okay, I, I'm – I'm not speaking just off emotion. I'm speaking off of facts, and I'm I'm level headed. I'm and I'm good now, um, but I'm not gonna say anything with a mic on that I wouldn't say to a player's face. Um, the last time I talked to Dante Thor, I just told him he needed to relax. You gotta trust your skills. You're here for a reason. You gotta trust your skills. You gotta relax. And I think Dante Thornton is just playing extremely tight to a certain extent, nervous. Um, he, he hasn't trust his hands. That was a drop against Alabama, hit him, hit him in the chest. And um, there's times in traffic, you got to shield your body and use your body to make catches. But, man, you, you got to be a hand catcher. You got to be a hand catcher. You got to look the ball all the way in to the catch, to the tuck. Romero had a drop where he's looking away before the ball is, is tucked away. Before the ball hit, is hitting his hands, um, but Nelson, you asked about Dante Thornton. He just he hasn't lived up to to the standard that we thought uh, we was going to get. It's really that simple. It's not disrespectful. It's not mean. The fam is the fam. You can see it. Uh, we thought we were going to be seeing more plays from him, and we have not. So that's that's what's going on. Um, let's see here. I, don't, I, I did see something about Joe Milton. I don't understand why this conversation about Joe Milton is going on this week, honestly. Um, I guess it's easy. It's an easy, low-hanging fruit conversation to have. Um, guys, jo- Joe Milton gave you a performance that he could have won with. He gave you a winning performance. He gave you everything. He ran the ball 15 times, had a net of 59 yards, take out the sacks, 93 altogether, but to take out the sacks, and uh, this, this is what they do at college, 59 yards. He averaged four yards a rush. He threw the ball for 271 yards, had two drops. That would have been 30 for the 41. Had one pass where he got away from him against um, there in the end zone to Jacob Warren. There were two touchdown passes. The conversation shouldn't be about Nico this week, guys. Like, come on. It's so easy. It, 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 it is it's, so annoying, it's, it's, quite it's frankly. Not this week, guys. Last week, okay, Joe didn't play well yes. last week. This week, I, come on, man. I was hard on him last week. Come on, man. Saying that I didn't, I didn't, I said all week long that I did not think that Joe Milton could 
could go down to Tuscaloosa and play the way that he ended up playing. And he did. Uh, he, and he played exceptional in the first half. Did, did he play as well in the second half as he did the first half? No. But he did not play bad in the second half, and he was not the issue in the second half. Protection was an issue. They they could not get the running game going. The receivers were dropping passes. Uh, and and again, like he did not play as well in the second half as he did the first half. He 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 missed an open receiver or two. He he wasn't perfect in the second half. And there were times, especially at the end. I know the game's kind of over at that point. But why are we dinking and dunking? Just chunk it. <laughs> Can we push the ball down the field and, instead of dinking and dunking? Uh, and there were a couple of runs where, in the open field against a, a safety, I'd like him to to try and put a move on somebody instead of falling to the ground and bracing for a hit before the guy even gets there. But that, that's nitpicking. He he was he was plenty fine in the second half. He was not the issue uh, at, at all. And it, it's just not the week to have the conversation about Nico. I want to see Nico Iamaliava play as well. Like, I'm excited to watch him play. Five-star quarterback. He, he lets it rip. Like, that is something to really, really be excited about. But that time is not now, especially after how Joe played on, on Saturday. He played well enough, more than well enough, to be Alla frickin' Bama on the road, a place where Tennessee has not won since 2003. You take what the defense is giving you. And against Florida, we, we took multiple shots to the end zone and, and did throw it deep. And it was the wrong decision for Joe to make uh, during those games, during that game. But he took what the defense gives you, uh, gave him. And if you got a dink and dunk, you got a dink and dunk. Well, I was talking about the the very end when there's like three to four minutes left, uh, and, and you're trying to pull off a miracle, and, yeah. and time's not on on your side. But you still got to take time the defense to be gives you, but you got to just do it fast. And you know when there's when there's an opportunity, one on one coverage, fifty fifty ball, then okay. But like if you got to do wide open at at ten ten yards, then let him, I mean let him catch it, get upfield, got a bounds, whatever. You do that a couple times, I man. That's that's thirty forty five yards right there. So. I, mean, I, I get I get what you're saying in theory, but like at the end of the day, you still got to take what the defense uh, is giving you. And Joe outplayed Jalen Monroe. I don't even, I don't even know why we even I don't know why people pick, want, want to talk about Joe Milton this week. Like I I think Joe played really really well against yeah, Alabama, and uh, if if he plays like he did on Saturday against Kentucky and Missouri, two tough games coming up, then then Tennessee will have a great chance of winning both games. Yep, and I'm and I'm in the locker room. Um, I did the post game interviews uh, in the locker room uh, with uh, Gabe, Judy, uh, Lally, and uh, Heron, and, and Squirrel. And um, where I was set up was literally right next to Joe. Joe's locker was at the end. I was right next to Joe. And uh, it took him a while to, to really get going, man. It stung. That stung. That, that, hurt, that hurt Joe. Um, he's one of the last dudes to get dressed. Um, he, was, he was dejected. Because he, he played well enough to, to win. And sometimes it work, it happens like that, where quarterback gives you a chance to win, and you still don't. And it stinks when you can't control something when you put so much into. And Joe put everything into into the game. Um, I mean, he was emotionally involved, locked in. Um, physically, he was finishing off runs the way he did against AM. This is something we've wanted to see from Joe since he's gotten here. Uh, using the size to finish runs and man, he made some really good throws. He deserved he deserved to win on his performance alone, but that's not the way it works. Uh, you know, in football, especially 
in the in the SEC. Um, Tennessee Ru- was as upset coming off the field as as I've seen them in in recent history. The, the, the you could tell that the the entire team, especially Joe, for sure, was dejected coming off and and very very disappointed. Thought it was interesting. In the the Monday meetings, getting back into the building, you, you could still sense the the disappointment because he didn't say this, but I, I think it's obvious that Tennessee feels like they let a golden opportunity slip away on Saturday, and it, and it's one that they're gonna they're gonna be kicking themselves for quite some time. Um, but they 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 need to get rid of that disappointment rather quickly um, because going back to that earlier question about Kentucky or Missouri being a, a more difficult matchup, I, I think Missouri is by far the better football team mm-hmm. than Kentucky, but I think Kentucky is probably a more dangerous game uh, because it's it's a, a quick turnaround. You're, you're kind of licking your wounds while Kentucky was on a bye week. Th- that is going to be a tough place to play on Saturday night. I said it earlier, not going to be Neyland or the elite atmospheres in the SEC, but it'll, it'll still be a, a tough road environment for Tennessee to manage on, on Saturday night, and, and they've got to they got to stop licking their wounds pretty quickly and and get their their attention turned to Kentucky because this is absolutely a situation that can beat them twice. Um, when did you see them? Afternoon, after practice. Say that again. You saw them yesterday afternoon or after practice. What do you mean? You say you saw guys. Oh, just coming off the licking, licking the the field on Saturday, right? Right when the the final buzzer sounded like I, i've been down on the field uh, so have so you haven't seen them this week looking like they were still looking their wounds no right but josh Eipel said that you could sit within the meetings on monday like yeah. the, there was still a a cloud of disappointment yeah, hanging yeah. over the team on on monday that, that's what josh Heupel said himself so i i i think yeah Hopefully for Tennessee, by today that that feeling should should absolutely be gone. Yeah, yeah, no, it it is. You got you gotta you gotta you know move past it because Mondays are are the days where um you watch the film from the previous game most of the times, and so I think it's pretty normal to get out of the meetings after watching that film, feeling like you let one go. And slip away, but then you hit the practice field, and at that moment, it's truly in a river mirror. Like if you, you you've moved on by now, so I think that's where we are right now. Um, obviously, the the play on Saturday will determine if if we fully pass the game because there's been so many teams that let Alabama beat them twice, and you, and you can't let that happen this weekend versus a team that you're just better than. You're better than Kentucky, uh, but. They do have a very dangerous running back and Ray Davis, and the running game is uh, really good. Uh, but they 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 have a really inconsistent quarterback. Many people thought he was going to be the number one transfer quarterback in the country, let alone in the SEC, and um, he he has not been good. Uh, they they got guys dropping balls, they got inaccurate throws, they have some of the same issues that Tennessee has had uh, on offense this season. Uh, and they do not have a defense like like Tennessee. But it's going to be an away game. It's going to be a game where it's late at night, and um, we're going to be busting there. Um, so it's going to be a l- little bit of a different different routine. 
uh, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. This fall, heading into the winter, very, very important that you take advantage of the special deal going on right now at, at Hiller. It's time for your HVAC maintenance. Um, so if you've, if you've been putting that off, this is the perfect time to take advantage of Hiller's special deals. Half off tune-ups at Hiller, also $99 drain cleaning special. For more details, go online to happyhiller.com. Uh, Happy you'll be, or the service is free. I got to make me an appointment to Hiller uh, myself. You can do that well, by going online and uh, booking an appointment. It's really, really easy and convenient, and you'll get instant confirmation. Well, while you set up an appointment with Hiller, I'm setting up an appointment with Jennifer Morris because I, I've got to get out of this house. Apparently, they're putting a new pipeline, gas pipeline in my yard. So some construction is on the way next year. I, I've got to get to Jennifer Morris and allow her to, to get me out of this house that I'm in, especially with a second baby on the way. We, we've already outgrown this one. Uh, and if you are also looking to buy a new home, I, I can't encourage you enough to, to reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, and also check out her new website, nextmovesmokymountains.com. You can search for homes. You can check out info about our Tennessee communities. And if you haven't already connected with Jennifer, you can connect with Jennifer uh, through nextmovesmokymountains.com. I, I am about to put Jennifer to work, and uh, I encourage you to do so as well because she is the absolute best and will take all the stress that that is involved with moving out of your life. Love it. Love it. Yeah, like this this expectation that folks have for quarterbacks to be to be perfect. And guys, like like I remember Hendon had high passes, had throws that was low. Like you're allowed to have a stinker or two. Like you're not gonna be perfect from the pocket throwing the football. And and Joe was pretty damn good from the pocket uh, on on Saturday. Uh eight six five, two hundred and fifty five, uh oh three. We check out, make sure we're good on our text box messages before we depart for today. Yeah, we 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 good, man. We good. We are good. Five and two. With opportunity to literally have the same record as last year. At, at worst, having one more loss than last year. But there's a lot of work to have to be done. To achieve that, you're going to play a Kentucky team that's hungry, that wants you after bye week. You got a Mizzou team that's playing with a lot of confidence right now that wants you after you've embarrassed them the last two years. Um, you're going to play a Georgia team, even without Brock Bowers. That's going to be tough, but man, Tennessee is going to be a different uh, team at home. We've seen that. We know that. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup uh, in the SEC when Georgia comes up here. And then you'll have the bowl game. So you have an opportunity when all the dust settles and the season is over, and we look at this team. We're gonna say, "Damn, this this team basically had the same record as last year's team, or was one off uh, by one game than last year's team." We still have that opportunity, so uh, it hasn't been pretty. It's looked bad at times. It's been frustrating, but Tennessee is still, you know, five and two of Josh Heupel's third year um, with some some holes still on, on this roster that you need to continue to address it's a better roster than it was last year but it's not the roster that we um, need it to be as we move forward with the expansion of the sec and the expansion of the college football uh playoff but ben 
Tennessee, moving forward, will put themselves in position to be in the college football playoff more frequently because of the expansion. You lose two games in the SEC, you put yourself in the conversation. And Absolutely. If the college football playoff was going on right now, Tennessee would still be in striking distance. So, um, Well, technically, I mean, there's kind of an outside shot. I mean, what if Tennessee won out? Ten and two with with, with a with a win over Georgia. Yeah, that's what I'm, late in the that's season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, so like, as disappointing and upset as as you should have been on Saturday, and Ben, you know, like I was the last dude from the Tennessee sideline to leave the Tennessee sideline. Yeah. You 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 look like your your dog had passed away when I walked up to to you. You were still you're sitting on the end of the bench. I came to say what's up before I went into the post game press conference, and I'd never seen you look that sad. Yeah, I've. Dude, I was, I, I I was not happy. I was not in a good place. So <laughs> your first comment was, "What just happened?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, so but that was Saturday, and uh, today is Tuesday, and um, Tennessee still five and two, with with an opportunity to go get better this week. And we'll try to get an update on on Kamal Haddon, but you know you're not gonna get one from Josh Eichel. He ain't gonna tell you what's going on so we'll see he'll make a decision on friday afternoon yeah, whether we'll, he's able to play or we'll, not we'll see on saturday uh <laughs> haddon's uh status um probably known the pregame a couple hours before the game where kamal haddon is but um you got baseball going on you got basketball got a chance to see josiah on, on sunday he's big held. exhibition this this sunday yep against michigan the state. michigan state i believe they're preseason number four if i'm not mistaken so uh, number four versus number nine, and it is just an exhibition, but but that'll be a cool one uh, up in East Lansing, and and all donations are going to the Maui Wildfire Relief Fund, so so that'll be really cool. A lot going on right now. Uh, Tennessee football in the thick of it. Have some important games coming up. Should be good games as well. I know Kentucky, Missouri's not A and M, Bama, Florida, but uh, th- th- those will be really really good football games and, and good challenges for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee baseballs practices and exhibitions Tennessee basketball preseason top 10 team legitimate final four contender I would even say they're a national championship contender I wouldn't call them the front runner but I do think they are a contender so a lot to be positive about right now with Tennessee athletics we'll do it again Thursday 8 a.m. for Ben McKee of Govals 247 I'm Jason Swain here live in the Low T Center Studio. Big thanks to all the good messages and questions and comments on the Betty Chevrolet text box. BettyChevrolet.com. Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Peace and much love. We are out. <laughs>